Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Take a minute and here's what I would love for us to do is to just take a, a few minutes just in silence, um, just to remember the presence of God among us, um, to keep that in mind, but also to have a time of just personal prayer, just a time where you can talk to Jesus. And, 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 and again, everybody coming in here, I know it's easy coming to church on Sundays and, you know, we all kind of know how to behave and, and, and how to look like the right way, you know, and we come in here and that's fine, except that's not always the reality inside, right? I mean, sometimes we come and we've been in fights with our spouses or just bad attitudes, bad weeks or whatever, and I think it's just a great time to get grounded And just to be able to talk to Jesus about where you are. And then we'll get started. So go ahead and pray right there where you're at. And then we'll continue here in a couple minutes. Father, thanks for bringing us here today. Thank you um, that you allow us to have this family and this community. Uh, Please, uh, we ask that you soften our hearts and help us to hear um, your voice, not mine. Father, I pray that we hear um, what you're calling us to. Uh, Father, I pray that we... um, Uh, are just sensitive, that we have sensitive hearts, soft hearts, Father. We pray that um, we're changed today, uh, that this week coming up, Father, can be a week um, where we're serving you and loving you and loving the people that you put in our lives, God. We want to join you in the work that you're already doing in this community. God, thank you again for your mercy and your grace for us, for letting us have your word and to learn from you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so... um, Again, um, hopefully you've been considering how your journey has been. We're all on a journey, every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Life is a journey. It truly is. We face new things every single day, most of the times every single hour, right? There's something new happening, right? And here's the crazy thing is, is when we became a Christian, if you became a Christian, that wasn't the end of it. Okay, it's one of the things that God wants to do more than anything is to show the world his power by changing our lives, like in the way we think, in the way that we interact with people, in the way that we love. It should be, it should be progressively different, okay, in the way that we're, that we're loving our neighbors, in the way that we're treating our, our bosses and all of those things. It should be progressively different. We should be changing substantially in who we are. And the, really the cool thing about that, why that's so important is because it does show the world how great God is. Because he's, we're not talking about just behaving better. We're talking about being substantially different people, right? And so as we're going through this, t- today, one of the things that I would love for us to talk about, in, in my mind, maybe one of the most important concepts for us to like embody, for it to become like truly the fabric of who we are. Is, and it's a simple, it's simple, very simple. Um, but it's... I think what we're going to figure out is a lot of what we know about the topic today tends to be like in our head. 
and we don't want it to stay there, right? It has to like sink down emotionally and spiritually. It's got to sink deeply down into us. Um, and so we're going to kind of go through these things. This is a picture. I didn't take this picture, but we were there this week. This is on Whiteside Mountain. I don't know if any of you guys have ever hiked up to Whiteside Mountain, but that fence is really important. Okay, that, that fence, if you've been up there or been in any of like the, the places around, they kind of have these where they have the wires that are stretched really, really tight. And I'm scared of heights. I don't know how many people are, are really scared of heights here. You, Lillian, I'm, I am too, okay? And so it makes these very important to me, right? Is, and it's, here's the important part of it. I need those wires nice and tight. See, because there was a couple places they were loose and kind of hanging loose, and I felt like at any moment I could trip and fall down, you know, 4,000 feet to the bottom, right? Could you imagine? I want you to think about that, Lillian. <laughs> All right? And so I'm like, this is helpful to me, right? And what's important about those is there are these anchors, okay? There's, there's this anchor pull, and it's down on this side, and there's another one down, and it's so important that those two are solid, because what they're anchored to is what keeps this tight. I mean, this is a good thing, okay? And, and it was helpful for me this week, okay? Same kind of concept here. We don't want these poles falling, right? I mean, this is bad news in cities and states and neighborhoods. Is we like our electrical wires like held up? We like, the, we like the anchors to be nice and strong, okay? Because we'd be in a world of hurt uh, if it wasn't. And then this, this was me a couple years ago. Um, but, but no, it was longer than a couple of years ago, but uh, no, that's not me. Um, anyway, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Um, same thing here. Okay. Is which side, which anchor is more important to this guy? You know, is it that one over there or is it this one over here? Like, you got to have them both. They have to be tight, right? I mean, they, this is so important to keep in mind because here's the deal is tension is vital. It, it really is. I mean, tension is vital. Um, both of these anchor points, if you're talking about electrical wires, if we're talking about safety fences, if we're talking about like tightrope walking across the Grand Canyon, both, both anchor points are equally crucial. There's not one we can take without the other. There's not one we can go, I hope it's not rusted out on this side. It's like we want them both, it, 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 because here's the thing is something ends up happening when only one anchor point is attended to, it's disaster happens, all right? It's, it's, it's disastrous, all right? If it's the fence up on Whiteside Mountain, you know, I mean, how many times have you just stumbled and you fall. I mean, you're talking about people dying. You're talking about tightrope walkers not having this ability. Um, when the, so that's what's the important thing, okay, is this idea of both of these anchor points because tension is important on these lines, okay? So here's the interesting thing, okay? And you're going, we're going to jump right into this. John 3.16, here's, this is the simple, this is just simple right here. Okay, because you're going, what does this have to do with tension? What does this have to do with walking over a canyon? What does this have to do with electrical lines? What does this have to do with these things? And you look at John 3.16, and unfortunately, man, we have totally just, as, a, as just people, as a community, just wrecked the beauty of this verse. We have just wrecked it to mean almost nothing to anyone because we've just kind of like twisted it. And there's this beautiful message in there that God loved the world. And what's important about that is, is like me and you are a part of that world. 
Okay, this isn't something that's abstract. This is something very concrete that he gave his son. So here's the deal, right? All right, off the bat here is there's one thing that's really important for us to begin embodying is this idea of God set a value on people. That is so important, okay? There was a value set, okay? That what we don't have to do in Christianity and the kingdom of God is try to build up our self-esteem. We don't have to be insecure. We don't have to be any of those things because God says here in John chapter 3, I've established a value for every single person who's ever been created ever, okay? And it's this idea of the value is the blood of my son, the value, when it came down to it, and there was William, he knew William Bingham and Tyler, and he knew Linda B., and he's like, you know how much I value them. Ephraim, you know how much I value Ephraim is Jesus, come over here. I'm going to offer him for you. Okay? We, we've boiled this down into like some like hokey prayer that we just say and become Christians, and we forget there's so much power here, but there was a value established. Okay, and the thing about it is, is, is if we don't understand this, it kind of stays in our head and we forget how incredible that is. Could you imagine sitting in front of God himself? Could you imagine like really just pulling up a chair with Jesus, pulling up a chair with him and him going, you are valued at my blood. And I mean, like having an eye, like me and Jesus eye to eye. Okay, I, I would encourage you to try that sometime. Because you'll be surprised. I know for me, I started just imagining that. And I was surprised at how just ashamed I was. And I was surprised. I'm like, I can't, even in my imagination, I was having this hard time because I'm going, no, this, this can't be true. And I, I, I've got to be now like I feel so guilty around Jesus because I'm like, man, you had to die for me because I'm a knucklehead, right? And all these things. But this is such a truth that we've got to be established. It's got to become like just who we are, okay? And there's this next verse in Romans chapter 5, and it goes right along with that. God proves his love for us. Okay, so God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, and so this changes, hopefully changes things in our minds. So if there's anyone here that you're under the impression in some way, shape or form that God waited for us to get good enough before he offered himself. Okay, this is Paul's letter to the Romans just discounts that completely. In fact, if you can imagine your worst days and your worst months and your worst years, the times that you cared the least about Jesus and God going, I still value Royce and I still value Summer and Bobby. I still value you at the cost of my son. Right? I mean, that is extreme. If, if there ever is anything radical and extreme in the Bible, it's this. Okay? But here's what's, this is what I've learned about me. This is what I've learned just about Christianity in general. All right, these are the kind of things we go, oh, yeah, okay, what's the big deal? Like, these just get kind of thrown out. Like, there's no substantive change from this truth. It's just like, oh, yeah, 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 uh, of course he does. All right? In Genesis 1, this is one of the things I love so much is, is that right off the bat, 
okay? God created everything. He set Adam and Eve. He said, listen, over humanity, I've given you everything. I've given you the plants. I've given you the animals. I've given you, I've given you everything. I've given you this perfect, like, garden. And God looked at it. Can you imagine God sitting back and looking at you and going, you want to know what? This isn't just good. This is very good. Okay? We're going to find that we have a couple different landing places. There's some of us and you're going, I get this. This is great. Like, this really is something that is in my wheelhouse. Like, I love this. I love this. And then there's some of us, like, we've discounted, like, we've thrown away the first two chapters of the Bible. Like, for some of us, the Bible didn't start until people started sinning. Okay? Like, it, that's, that's when it started. There wasn't anything good. It's just, there was a guy, and he sinned, and now all of a sudden, we're in trouble forever. Right? So it's important right off the bat. And again, um, just I don't know how, how you are with this, but being able to confidently in the presence of God going, man, I could, this is really great news. That everybody, he, he just looked and he knew he wasn't bound by time. It wasn't like he just looked and go, hey, here's a couple of people I made. It's God of everything outside of time and going, this is very good. Okay. But then what's up, man? Luke 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus said, no one's good but God. Let that sink for a second. <laughs> okay. Because I just ranted about how good. This is good. This is very good. In fact, I love you so much. I'm valuing you. I'm, I'm setting a price on every person with the blood of my son. And we can really over, maybe oversimplify following Jesus sometimes and just talk about, well, it's just, he just loves you. You're just good. It's just perfect, all that. Except how do you handle this, right, here in Luke 18, where you have this rich young ruler come up and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, hold on a minute. Why do you call me good? In fact, there's no one good. Okay. If you're going, this is confusing. It won't be. It won't be for much longer, okay? But this is the reality here, okay? Um, Revelation 3. You say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I don't need anything. And you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Hold up a minute, Keith. I thought you said that, that God valued me with the blood of his son. I thought you said that, that what he said I was worth was that, that that, that was going to make such a difference. Okay? And oftentimes we'll take this kind of like, well, no, I'm more of like a this kind of person. Like there's some, some of us, what we're really comfortable with is just beating ourselves up. We're really, really comfortable with that. Okay. And we're going, yeah, of course, wretched, pitiful, poor, absolutely. Right. Loved. I don't know about that. And then there's others, man, you get the love part and you're going wretched. Don't call me that. Nothing wrong with me. Don't judge me. Okay, and so here's the interesting thing about this. Are we loved or are we wretched? Gone, hmm. Once again, tension is vital. It's not just for the guy trying to walk across the tightrope and hoping that both ends hold. It's not for the electrical lines that require everything to be held up. It's not for the safety fence to have this tension of both anchors holding strong, okay? 
is tension is absolutely vital when we're talking about following Jesus, okay? Both anchor points are equally crucial. Both, both that we've talked about, this idea, okay? We're going we're gonna to put this together, all right? But they're both absolute. Where one anchor point is attended without the other one being attended to, believe me, spiritual disaster will follow. It, it will happen. If we just attend to one, either I'm completely wretched and I'm so bad and oh my goodness, I can't even walk into a church building. I am such a wretch or vice versa. Just if we're just one of those, disaster will follow. Okay. Um, so here's the interesting thing about this is would you say, and this isn't a public thing. I'm really going to encourage all of us to just go get a quiet place. Okay. Really first and foremost to just, just set aside some time to have a quiet place could you admit to yourself and could you admit in front of Jesus that I am unimaginably loved by him? Unimaginably. Okay, I want to I share this with you here. Um, over in Ephesians chapter 3, this is what Paul prays, okay? This is what he, this is what he prays for the Christians. Um, he says, I pray that out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Right? Something that Paul understood was that when we understand this idea of being unimaginably loved, like when, when he's talking about this idea of we can't even, it's hard to imagine without praying the height and the width and the depth of his love that is beyond understanding. All right? If we don't like start with that, if every single one of us in this community, if anyone who says they follow Jesus and it's not starting with this point, all right, then we get very, we just get really weird in our faith. Okay, it just gets really, really weird because we just start doing some strange things to be loved. All right, and so again, what are we talking about? We're talking about taking things from just saying something to embodying them, okay? So they become part of who we are. So here's the thing is, by not taking the time to embrace this truth, we begin this excruciating journey of doing everything we can to get God to love us, and we always feel like we just can't do enough. Have you ever been in that cycle before? Like you want God to love you so bad and maybe it's because you were raised going to church and you've heard great things about God and you've heard really cool things about how he loves you and all of these things except what your life has become is let me live in a way that he will, I can get him to love me. All right, but what's strange about that, that's a dead end. That, that's a dead end because what we end up saying, and I want you to ask yourself if you've ever said this before, is what else do I have to do to get him to love me? Like, why did this happen? What, what else do I need to do to get you to love me? What else is there, okay? It's because we've skipped a very important aspect of following Jesus. Is this idea of, no, you are unimaginably, right, loved, by the creator of the universe, right? 
Here's the crazy thing, though. Unloved people are critical, bitter, and jealous. Oftentimes, without mercy, hurting other people. Okay, so let that sink for a couple seconds here, okay? People who are loved well, okay, tend to not be critical, tend to not be bitter, tend to not be jealous, all right? When there's this, when there's this fulfillment, and, and so again, why do I put that up there? So me and you, we can kind of apply our life to this and go, you know what, man, I, I, listen, I'm telling you, I could get a master's degree on critical, bitter, and jealous, and going, man, you know what? I, I'm missing something here that's very important. I, I'm missing something that is absolutely so necessary for me to follow Jesus in a healthy way to where I don't feel like I just have to keep working and he's such like a slave master, okay? And so it's this idea of becoming and knowing we are unimaginably loved. If somebody, if Jesus walked in here now and said that, he goes, hey, Lillian, I want to tell you this. You are loved more than you ever thought. Well, because I had a good week. No, no, no. On your worst time, you can't imagine how much I loved. In fact, the, it's unimaginable to the point that I would have died for you on that worst day. Okay. So here's the thing. This is this tension, right? Is this idea of do I embody this idea that I am unimaginably loved and embarrassingly wretched? Right. I started this, this week, so one of the things I've shared that's been really, I think, helpful for me is a prayer that I begin praying each morning before I start my quiet time, which is this idea of really inviting God to search me. Like, search the things that I don't even know about me. Search the things that are not in the light. Search those things to bring them out. Like, the stuff that maybe I'm, like, repressing or something like that is I'm really praying, God, search me out. Send me messengers, like in whatever way you have to, to, to let me hear the words of spirit-filled people that I meet in a day, right? Is praying that he just strips away everything I use to defend myself, right? Have you ever been defensive before? You know, right? Man, <laughs> like, no, I've never been defensive. But I, listen, I, I recognize that, that I can become very defensive about my character and who I am. And I have to pray, God, like strip that away and show me this futility of the world. Because I look at the world and oftentimes I get very tempted to want. Like I want lots of money and lots of things and lots of security and comfort and all these things. And so as I've been praying that, one of the things that came up was this really embarrassing, like this was a really tough Thing to swallow for me, um, I started realizing that there were people in my life throughout, I mean, I've been a disciple now for, you know, like 25 years, okay, and I started looking back and realizing that um, there were people in my life along the way that I look forward to them failing. I, I look forward, like I look forward to them being in ruins one day. There were people that maybe I disagreed with at times. Maybe I thought one thing and they thought another thing. And it was really this weird thought. I had not thought about this before. I hadn't really given this any. I was like, I'm, there's no problem here. And then I started going, hold on a minute. Let me just write down, start writing down names. And don't go in my prayer journal, you know, because you might see your name in there. No. <laughs> Mike's like, no, it might, no. But here's the truth of the matter is it became really embarrassing even with me and Jesus. 
Because I was like, why on earth am I looking for somebody to be in ruins? And, and I realized how addicted I am to, like, I feel like if that were to happen, it would prove that I was right. Right? If that were to happen, then I would, you know, th- th- then somehow I would be seen as something greater if that were to happen. I could say, I told you so. Okay, and so that was just a really embarrassing thing, okay? And the truth of the matter is, is in light of who Jesus is, that's wretched behavior, okay? And we have these things inside of us, all right, and going, well, how and why should I embrace this? I mean, shouldn't me coming to that conclusion about this kind of junk that's been inside of me, shouldn't that make me feel insecure? And shouldn't that make me feel just ashamed? And shouldn't that make me feel just like like guilty all the time, like I should walk around with my head down and all that. It shouldn't, but here's the interesting thing, is if we don't kind of embrace our wretchedness, you know what, we become very fragile. Okay, like very fragile, very easily, we're easily uh, defensive, easily offended, all right? That's kind of the American way, right? It's so easy to become offended. Again, I don't want to project my stuff on you. But I would bet there's a few of us in here that can be very defensive and very easily offended when people will say something. What do you mean? What do you mean that you say that about? What do you mean you think I'm this way? And going, hold on a minute. You know what? That may be true because I'm wretched. Well, come on, Keith. No, you're not. You're, you're loved by God. Yes, because I want both anchors strong, okay? When we don't embrace this, so here's the interesting thing. Um, Revelation 3.17 that we had read about you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Let me read the next half to you, okay? Um, Revelation right here, this is what he goes on to say. Um, uh, He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see okay see when i don't embrace my my embarrassing wretchedness when i don't embrace that you know what ends up happening i don't even know how to come to jesus because he's saying yes keith you are you don't realize how wretched and pitiful poor and blind and naked you are and the reason jesus is even bringing that that up is because he's saying i want you to come and ask me for these things Like, I want you to come and have me help you with this. I want you. So embracing this isn't about feeling guilty and shameful. It's this idea of going, oh, my goodness, now I know who to go to. Okay. And here's the fascinating thing. It's just like when we kind of reject this being unimaginably loved. When we don't embrace our wretchedness, the same thing happens. We become critical, bitter, and jealous without mercy and hurting others. Isn't it fascinating when we just, if we just hang on to one and not the other, if we reject those, it's expressed the same way among people we love. All right, we become critical, we become, become bitter, we become jealous. If these are qualities that you're going, man, this is kind of what I embody, I would encourage you, rather than changing your behavior, is to examine whether you actually truly have embodied this idea of being unimaginably loved by God. Okay, that, that's where I would encourage you to go to, rather than just changing behavior and going, okay, I'm not going to be bitter anymore. Well, there's a reason these things have come to the surface, okay? So it's both and. It's this idea of how do we do this? 
I'm both loved and I'm wretched. Both can happen equally, just like the guy, like progressing across the Grand Canyon, just like the electrical wires, just like the fence. They both can happen, should happen, and are absolutely vital to have happen, okay? Here's what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, okay? This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. Okay, this guy just embodied what we've just talked about. He said, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. I'm the worst, okay? And he goes on, but I receive mercy for this reason, okay? Here's, here's the reason. So that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life, all right? So for Paul to embrace his wretchedness, he's going, here's the good news about that is when people see me and I've become a follower of Jesus, you know what they're going to say about Jesus? He is so patient. <laughs> that dude is the worst of us, and he is, look at how patient he is when we're thinking he won't be patient with us. He's saying, no, actually, if Paul were to not embrace that, if Paul were to hide that, if Paul were to pretend like he wasn't, you want to know what nobody sees? God's patience. Here's the best summary I found in the Bible right here, okay? It's the prodigal son. It's the lost son. This is, if you want to sum up this entire lesson in one single story here, is you have this prodigal son who took his dad's money, who left, right, and sold, I mean, just squandered everything, and he became just destitute and not having money for food or places to live and had to sell himself into slavery. And he, he reasons with himself, the, the prodigal son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and uh, I've sinned against uh, heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of these hired hands, okay? This is just him talking in his head, okay? He's like, I'm sitting here eating a bunch of pig slop. It used to be so good. I've got to say something to my dad, who I really just took everything from. But wow, so he got up and went to his father, but while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. All right? Do you see what's happening here? Is you have a son who's going, let me just embrace the reality of how wretched I am. The reality of how just bankrupt my character is and my integrity and I've hurt my family and I've left them and so I'm going to go and I'm just going to turn myself in and right when he starts doing that his dad is like man I'm running to you and you're going well how did that happen because being unimaginably loved and embarrassingly wretched don't happen away from each other this is them coming together see this is where Christianity and following Jesus is different than the world Okay, in the world, the kid comes back and the dad sues him. In this, it's like, hold on a minute. I'm not going to lecture you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm, come, I'm running to you. Okay? And then the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I mean, he is feeling it, okay? And then dad says, but the father said, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't this great? It, this is what's amazing about following Jesus, except when we just 
kind of dumb down Christianity, we start just saying things like, well, yeah, Jesus loved the world so much he gave his only son. And then I spend the rest of my day trying to be good and behaving right and falling short and feeling ashamed. And, and I walk into church and I feel guilty and I hide things from my brothers and sisters because I don't feel loved. And again, I'm not talking about not feeling love from your brothers and sisters. I'm talking about Jesus himself. All right. And so how often do you, does church that thing where you're like, this is a place I feel most guilty. And I come here and I feel like I, I don't want to talk because someone's going to find out how I live and that I've been messing up. And so we keep these secrets. And what's crazy about that is, is then Christianity becomes anything but something that is this easy yoke and this light burden. Like there's no peace. That's why this is so vital here, okay? This, this love is not just meant to be something that we say or we have on a piece of artwork or something like this. Here's the crazy thing. When you put both together, you know what's really good? You know what brings peace is this? Is this allows us to just humbly approach Jesus. Because if there's anyone in the entire universe that's not surprised at our wretchedness, it's him. Right? Parents, have you ever known something like your kids come home and you know they're guilty? You ever had that? Like, you know they did something. All right? You come in, you know, and then your children finally tell you, and you're like, well, I knew that. Right? We can be like this oftentimes in decide. We think, oh, man, I can keep a secret from God, and, and this is actually going to be okay, and being stressed out is fine because I want to go to heaven one day and all these things, except when both come together, we can humbly approach Jesus. And go, man, here, here I am, and I totally trust that, you, that I'm unimaginably loved, okay? It allows for true peace. I put some verses up here for you to study, all right, that kind of highlight each one of these points, okay? It, when we have both together, it produces our ability to have grace and truth in our relationships, okay? So sometimes it's like, man, I don't want to say something hard to my brothers or sisters because I don't think they can handle it going, hold on a minute. I'm like, I'm not trusting that God, that this is so vital, all right, that we talk about this. It produces gratitude and repentance, right? And it calls for just a loyalty and allegiance and a teachability to Jesus when both of these come together, all right? But here's the interesting thing. There's no amount of like, there's no amount of like uh, motivational speaking that can get, get us there. There's no videos you can go look on YouTube and go, I'm going to get so fired up looking at these that I'm just going to get this. No, this is blue-collar work, man. This is getting our hands dirty is what it's going to require of us, okay? It really, really is. Um, and so the homework, there, yeah, there's homework this week, okay? It's simple. It's two verses, both chapter 3, both verse 17. It's Revelation 3.17, which we read, and Zephaniah 3.17, which we didn't read, all right? And here's the homework, all right, is set aside 20 or 30 minutes each day. And just, these scriptures are going to come from two different ways. It's going to come from the unimaginable love, and it's going to come from the wretchedness of us, okay? And the, the goal isn't that we have some kind of like, you know, spiritual awakening or something like that. It's the idea that we truly do like exactly what God is selling here which is both have to happen. Both have to be together. But here's the crazy thing is, if we don't set time and places aside to where we can just have these honest conversations and even asking God, like, why am I not 
allowing him to love me? Why, what's getting in the way of me not admitting it, like my wretchedness? What is that? It takes us time, like in an alone place, to have just really hard talks with God. Right? And, and, and to have time of just begging him to help us and guide us and teach us. Because if we're a community of people that are like, well, God does love us. We are kind of wretched, but you should be embarrassed if you are wretched. But hey, come to church and pretend that we're at peace and we're full of joy and patience and kindness. That's not a community anybody wants to be a part of, okay? Is there's a reality, and I appreciate that, that the truth of the matter is, is there's a very strong foundation of that. It's not like we're starting from zero, okay? I'm not laying this homework on us like nobody's ever done this before. Um, but this is on this journey to maturity. This is what's so vital is that it, we don't just know the scriptures, but they become about who we are. Like when, when things happen, these are our go-to. I've gone, man, when I've really messed up, you know what helps me go to my brothers is knowing that I'm unimaginably loved before I was any good. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.